Welcome everyone to episode 154 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic and today we are going to discuss LeBron James, LeBron James, and more LeBron James. That's right, a full episode about LeBron James and his upcoming free agent decision because, let's be honest, that's the story of free agency. Before we get underway, a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, Brian, I, I, I went to a restaurant and did not kicked out because I'm actually a decent human being, so good. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a big, big step. Can't say anyone in America can say the same after this week, but, you know, an- another week, another atrocity committed by the Trump administration. It's... <laughs> <laughs> let's let's turn our attention away from politics, though. Let's focus on LeBron. So more, the, what we're going to do here is basically we're going to break down each of his main options or what seem like his main options, and then l- later on in the episode we'll also go through a couple wild cards that seem like more distant possibilities but who knows it's lebron anything can happen um so let's start more with the los angeles lakers who for whatever reason over the past few weeks have become heavy favorites at least in the eyes of odds makers he's a minus 150 as of yesterday on bet online and this is via odds shark which basically means you would have to bet 150 dollars to make a hundred dollars that he's going to be a Laker. So it's, it's a very, very heavy favorite at this point. It's, it's basically what the, I think the Warriors weren't even that favored to win the championship coming into the season. So that should say it all. Um, more, let's, let's fo- first focus on the on court stuff and then we can turn to the off court because I think that's mm-hmm. two very different discussions about what would make this Lakers team appealing. So on court, you know, the Lakers with their trade at the trade deadline, uh, dumping Jordan Clarkson's awful contract on the Cavaliers, getting the expiring deals of Isaiah Thomas and Channing Fry in return. They've carved off, carved out enough cap space for two max contracts. So that's they can fit LeBron and Paul George or, you know, whoever, DeMarcus Cousins, DeAndre Jordan, whoever. Uh, they can fit that without having have to do anything else. If right. Paul George doesn't come to the Lakers or the mm-hmm. Lakers don't trade for Kawhi Leonard, do you think LeBron plus whatever else the the Lakers can muster, whether that is another big name free agent like Boogie or DeAndre Jordan, or whether they just run back the band from last year, re-sign Julius Randle, Brooke Lopez, Contavious Caldwell Pope, etc., is that enough to take down the Warriors or the Rockets next year? Oh, hell no. <laughs> right no yeah no like that's not no no i thought you were going in a totally different direction by oh would that still pique lebron's interest at which point like that would be the same reaction for me but (laughs) be a no be a threat to to the rockets or the or the warriors no 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 no. i mean then you would need like a Kawhi Mm -hmm. or a paul george and i mean i'm even leaning towards more so Kawhi than paul george because in in Kawhi's absence We've sort of forgotten how good that dude is. Mm. Like, Paul George is fine. I mean, he's, what, a, a top 15 player? Is that like is that an appropriate range? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Somewhere in there, at least. Yeah. 
but a healthy Kawhi is top five. Yeah, that's there's a difference there. So if Kawhi is the one uh, to go to LA and LeBron follows, then I'll go. Yeah, they they can they certainly have a shot. Absolutely, mm. Kawhi and LeBron at the at the two forward spots. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. I mean, I agree. Like that's you can't find a better two man duo in the NBA, and that includes. Steph and KD, that includes Chris Paul and James Harden. But I'm still not sold that team beats definitely not the Warriors. I'm not sold they beat the Rockets either. Like, you're still relying on a second year point guard in Lonzo Ball, mm-hmm. a third year guy in Brandon Ingram, who was not all that great his first year. I mean, he took major strides, obviously, last year. But, like, none of those guys, Ball, Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, Julius Randle, None of them have played in the playoffs before. Like, all of a sudden, they're going to go from never playing a playoff game to winning the NBA championship against possibly the best team ever assembled. But are we assuming those guys stay? No, that I mean, I don't know. For, for, for Kawhi, no. Like, if, you, if you're trading for Kawhi, we're right. assuming Ingram at least is gone. We don't, both of us don't think the Spurs have won anything to do with Lonzo for good reason. Mostly because yeah. of his father, um, so then like you're even more depleted, right? Well, I mean, look, there's a follow-up deal to be made. I mean, right now we're hearing about you know Kemba Walker potentially being moved to Cleveland to entice LeBron. Mm-hmm. What if what if that deal falls through because LeBron tells them, you know what, I'm not returning, so there's no point sure. in dealing for for Kemba. Kemba's contract right now is at twelve million. Mm-hmm. You can you can easily scrap together you know, 12 million outgoing salary. And if you then send some young guys to Charlotte for Kemba and you ultimately end up with with Kemba, one of Paul, George, and Kawhi, and then LeBron, like that suddenly becomes a lot more intriguing, doesn't it? Can you easily scrap together 12 million if you're the Lakers, though? You've got Lonzo. You know, well, it's it's a 150% rule, right? So you can go... 125 plus 100,000. So they would have to get. Like, Wasn't it increased to one fifty? No, it's it's still one twenty five. So it'd be like it is basically oh, okay. nine million. Yeah, I mean, what is what is Lonzo's salary? That's almost seven, right? Yeah, he was six point three this year. Uh, let me let me check next year. But the the point is, they'd have to include someone else at least. Like whether it's yeah, okay, so right. I don't know. So you'll have to get a little bit creative. But my point is, Kemba is not earning you know twenty four million right, or right. twenty five million. Yeah. So. It would be easier to facilitate, and then you would have to obviously uh, send out some draft picks because mm. you have to make it worthwhile for for the Hornets. So you're sacrificing the future. But but that's the thing when when LeBron is in play and you're discussing LeBron, that you are undoubtedly going to sacrifice the future because that's the caveat that is LeBron James. If you get LeBron, you sacrifice the future immediately because he warrants that. Right. And rightly so. Like you don't you don't take LeBron in and go, "Hey, LeBron, here meet your new point guard, Lonzo Ball." <laughs> right. No, you don't do that. Right. Obviously, you don't do that. I mean, yeah. So I I think a lot of those guys are just they're goners. Like Kyle Kuzma, no way. Brandon Ingram, uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Lonzo, no. That and, and like those guys are moved. And that's the thing. So if they trade for if they trade for Kawhi. You have to figure mm. the Spurs' like baseline is going to be Ingram plus Kuzma plus a bunch of picks, and then 
you know, probably find a third team because I don't think they want anything to do with Lou Deng's deal, and they would have to include that for salary matching purposes. Um, right. Which then leaves you, like, you if you're the Lakers and you're trying to do this Leonard deal and a Kemba deal, you're going to have to keep Josh Hart because I don't think... Uh, oh, I guess, actually, you know what? I think if they did Zubac plus Lonzo Ball, that would just be enough money. So they could do Zubac plus Lonzo for Kemba. And then you can do mm-hmm. Ingram, Kuzma, and Hart plus picks plus whatever for Kawhi. But then you literally have a roster of LeBron, Kawhi, Kemba, and nothing else. And then you're relying on... I mean, depending on... Ring chasers. Yeah, but... So, like, are there enough ring chasers in the league to join that team and make them competitive against the Warriors, who have four future Hall of Famers, if not more? I mean... I think so. It depends. I mean, you, we can't say that for now because we, we're looking at guys like, for example, Trevor Ariza, who is expecting to sign like a decent deal. Mm-hmm. But like, are we absolutely certain that Trevor Ariza doesn't look at that and go, oh, you know what? That's insane. I want to be a part of that. But wouldn't he then just join the Warriors instead? Yeah, maybe. That's the thing. I don't know. It, it, it depends entirely upon, you know, how the mindset of that player is. Then what about Dwight Howard, who's getting the buyout yeah. of Brooklyn? Uh, <laughs> like he could reach. I, I know, I know the Lakers, yeah. la la la, all that. But Kobe's not there. It's new management. Yeah. It's different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I, so, uh, Dwight could follow along, play the center spot for the minimum. So. He's still getting a lot of money. Like I, th- I think there are guys out there where we kind of go, oh, we're assuming that they're going to different markets, mm-hmm. where they would be. Oh, this is LeBron's last hurrah. Like he can, there, there's a two, maybe three year window, mm-hmm. where he's still going to be absolute ape shit, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna sign on for that. Yeah, I mean, my my overall point with this whole like thought experiment is, I don't know what the Lakers can do, realistically, to be contending for a title next season. So if like if winning a mm-hmm. ring, if being in finals contention right away is LeBron's priority. I don't think the Lakers are the best choice for him, if only because you're gonna again you're gonna have to go through the Warriors and the Rockets at least just to get to the finals. Right. You know who knows what's gonna happen with the Spurs, but if Kawhi stays, like if they somehow mend those fences, the Spurs are gonna be right in that mix too. Like it's gonna be yeah. hard enough just to get out of the second round, much less get to the finals, and then you're probably gonna play Boston in the finals, who's also gonna be better than you. Like I don't mm-hmm. see any feasible way. The the Lakers are like championship contenders next year, almost regardless of what they do. And it's not, I'm not like shitting on their young core. It's just like their young guys are all so young that even if they keep those guys and build around them and LeBron, I just don't think you're going from whatever, like 35 wins to 65 in one season. Like it's a, (laughs) not not to steal a hinkyism, but it's a process. Like it takes time. It is. So that said, uh, there is the off-court factor of the Lakers, too, which is, you know, mm. LeBron has two houses there. Uh, he has a budding entertainment business. His family, you know, he said his family is going to factor into this decision more than it has in 2010 and 2014. He's got a kid in eighth grade, so he's going to high school next year. And he's, right. you know, he, he's looking like a potential high-level basketball player down the road. So LeBron's going to consider that. 
Uh, Gary Payton told Black Sports Online that his kid had committed to Sierra Canyon High School, which is a school right outside of uh, right outside of LA. That rumor has since been debunked, but you know the point is like that's going to be a factor. So, do you think more like is LeBron at the point now where he's won three rings? He's widely considered at least the second best player of all time. Is he right. at the point where he's so secure with his legacy that he like doesn't give a shit if he doesn't if he's not in the finals next year? Like, is his family's happiness more important to him? Yeah, you think? So? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <clears throat> he, I, I want to preface this by saying I'm going to, while I'm going to compare current day era to the '90s and '80s right now. There is a caveat to it, and. It is. This is not in in a way of saying you know these guys who did it this way in the eighties and nineties are are superior. There's no superior mindset in what I'm about to say. But because of the social media age and because of all the hysteria there is around athletes and celebrities nowadays, which is just it's grown so intense. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Jordan years, obviously, he was hounded, but. You know, no social media presence. Like, you know where stars are at at all times. I think LeBron is so well-fed in terms of all the celebrity, all the, the, you know, the mainstream popularity that he's just content. I think he's content. He's won his ring, as as you mentioned, and I don't think he necessarily aspires to look at some arbitrary number of going to the finals X amount of times or winning X amount of rings. I think he's just trying to play and then see what happens and then taking it from there. I don't think he looks back at the finals from last for this season and goes, "Oh, you know, this hurt me." No, like I played with shit and that's <laughs> right. what happened. Right. And I'm fine with with that because you know, he seems like a realist, yeah. right? Yeah. So I I think he's going to give it his best shot obviously. That I mean, you will never take that away from him, but I think he is to some extent a, a content with his legacy. To the point where, yeah, I mean, he's going to factor in other stuff. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, that, we should never look at that as some sort of, like, negative thing about him. Mm -hmm. Because 15 years in the league. Right. I mean, he's earned it. And still playing at this high of a level. Right. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. So, but, but I will challenge you on one thing. Because you said that even with, what was it, Kemba, LeBron, one of Paul, George, and Kawhi. Mm Mm-hmm. And even Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. like you didn't see those that team moving past like Houston and Golden State. Mm-hmm. Well, while I get what you're saying, and I I lean towards agreeing with you, it puts them in the ballpark. That's true. And I think and I think that's the most important thing here because you don't know what's. I think when teams construct rosters during the off season, I think I don't think they're trying to measure it like inch by inch going oh now we're like one inch away from from houston or whatever no i think you just you you acquire as much talent as you possibly can to be in the same conversation slash ballpark as those teams and then you roll the ball out and then you see what happens like let's say and i'm knocking on wood that this doesn't happen let's say chris paul goes down again right next year. right right let's say stephen curry's angles act up again mm-hmm. like then you might be in the lead you don't know the thing is, you unless you, I mean, what's basically I'm going to ask you this: What type of team, and if we're ignoring salary cap here, could you assemble that would be automatically and undoubtedly better than the Warriors? Like you would have to get LeBron, you would mm-hmm. have to get Kawhi, you would have to get um, John Wall, 
you would have to get like some of these insane guys. And even then, you know, like you said, it's a process. Like they might not even win in the first year. So I think there's credence to the idea of getting Kemba, getting Kawhi, getting LeBron, and then see how they look in a year. Mm-hmm. Because you're in the ballpark, and that's all you can ask for. I mean, you, you can put LeBron on Boston. I'd say they'd be better than the Warriors. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It, I, I agree it, with that. And we'll get to Boston as one of the wild cards later. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. They probably, they're not necessarily going to say, you know, oh, we can't beat the Warriors right now, but oh, we got th- like three stars, you know, and mm. LeBron, Kawhi, or Paul George, and Kemba. Like, that would put butts in seats. It would bring Lakers exceptionalism back. Like, it's not all Which is what they want. Right, exactly. It's not all championship or bust. Like, I'm sure they would be very content with that. Um, one more question about the Lakers more. Assuming right. they do they do get LeBron and they do keep mm. Lonzo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You know, I remember we were having this discussion leading up to the draft last year um, yeah. about you know whether Lonzo would be better suited to play off ball at times, which you know having LeBron on your team would necessitate that. So, do you think there would be some benefit there to LeBron and Lonzo sharing ball handling responsibilities? Do you think that would make Lonzo more efficient, especially you know as a shooter, he was awful last season. Do you think being able to play off the ball as a cutter more? would help him in that yeah. regard? Yes. He's long. He's he's not an athletic marble like Markel Fultz, mm-hmm. but he can still get up and finish plays about the rim. Mm-hmm. You know, he can catch lobs, he can, you know, he can cut towards the basket. Um, and he's able to to spot up for the three ball which we saw at UCLA. So yes, I do think that his his game would improve significantly. Um, very much unlike, you know, I know we were going to talk about the Sixers, but like we, we've mentioned on this podcast before that we feel that Ben Simmons' development would be hindered by LeBron. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case with Lonzo Ball, even though both Lonzo and Ben Simmons are very ball-dominant guards because Lonzo has shown previously that he was very good as a spot-up shooter at UCLA. I think that's he's going to learn how to get those shots. If LeBron is there, he's going to know, oh, okay, if I move over here, I feel more comfortable here getting the kick out. Like, he's going to increase his basketball know-how, his shot selection, you know, just his overall intelligence of the game. I think he's just going to go up significantly by playing with LeBron. Like, LeVar might not agree with that, but... Right. Yeah. Right. So, I think he would benefit greatly from LeBron. I, I would even deem it sort of necessary, because... You know, Lonzo is dreadfully overhyped. Yeah, yeah. I I think I agree with you. I'd be very intrigued to see how LeBron dealt with the nonsense from his father. Seems like they would butt heads very quickly. But seems like we may be having to deal with that problem in a week. So we'll we'll check back in there. Um, oh, actually, can we just round that thought out? Yeah. And I want to ask you this because this is not really a LeBron thing. But now that we're on the subject. If LeVar Ball, you know, increases his volume of bullshit, mm-hmm. do you think Lonzo will be in the league in five years? <laughs> uh, yes. I think even though he's, like, a great talent, there's a risk, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree. But, that, like, that, a lot of guys do some dumb shit and still stay in the league. Like, J.R. Smith has carved out a 10-year, 10-plus-year career in the league. Nick Young's been in the league for a while. Like, not not to right. compare 
the two situations because it's obviously you know Lonzo has done nothing like boneheaded like those guys have. Right, he's fine. Right, and, and I mean, so it's like there is the circus there, but after a while, you would think Lonzo will realize like his, you know his his first time into restricted free agency is going to be fascinating to see whether a team like lowballs him because of his debt. And then at that point, mm-hmm. like if, if his, uh, his contract starts to get affected, then does he tell his dad to be like, yo, shut up. You're really, you know, like your, your bullshit didn't work. Leangelo didn't get in the league. It's going to affect Lamelo. Like just chill out. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. But no, I, I think, Unless he just does not at all develop as a shooter, I think he's too talented otherwise to completely fall out. I think even with the baggage with his dad, I think he just goes to a team that's well-equipped to handle it. Like a Sacramento would be the worst place for him. But a Boston, Mm. a Miami, San Antonio, I think they have the culture in place to just tell his dad to get lost, basically. But the fact that we can even raise this question and have a genuine debate about it... That's what leads me to believe that LeBron will come in with the demand that if he's going to sign there, no way in hell (laughs) is Lonzo going to be there. And I don't think no, I don't think anybody has a problem with Lonzo. Right. Let me just clarify that. Right. So I don't think it's a Lonzo thing. It's entirely a Levar Ball thing. Yeah, I think people have a problem with Lonzo because of Levar. Like, right. That's you know, Embiid told Simmons to like dunk so hard on. Lonzo that his daddy runs on the floor. Like Darren Fox has his like weird rivalry with Lonzo, but I think it's because, you know, oh, yeah. his his dad spent all this time like boosting him up is better than Steph Curry, whatever. So yeah, I mean it's all it's a shame. Like it, we've said it for over a year now. It's a shame that like Lonzo, who is a good player, has such high expectations because of his father, and if his father just shut the hell up and let his kid develop at the rate that all other rookies do, his kid could be really, really good, and there would be no problems with him. Because he's created this stupid, like, aura around him, now he has to deal with all this extra bullshit, which sucks for him. But if, if, you know, if Lonzo does not at any point raise his own voice about it... Yeah. I mean, do you think that would make a difference in the LeBron sweepstakes? If, like, if Lonzo just came out and basically publicly <laughs> said, Dad, shut the fuck up. If he, he, he just needs to release a diss track. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's go away yeah. from the Lakers. Let's pivot to the Sixers since you brought them up with the Ben Simmons thing especially. I think, you know, that, that's really, that, we'll go with the downside first. That's the mm. big question with, LeBron to the Sixers is how would he fit next to Ben Simmons, who is a ball dominant point guard, point forward, whatever right. you want to call him, who you know Lon- point center, yeah, sure, <laughs> point whatever. Everything. Um, you know, Lonzo is a bad shooter. Ben Simmons is a non-shooter. He did not right. Like, he he just refused to attempt anything remotely close to three point range unless like just heaving at the end of a shot clock. Um, yeah. You know, there have obviously been videos of him shooting threes in practice. Like, it's not like he isn't trying to develop that. But Brett Brown did say at the end of the season that that's not their priority uh, in his off-season work. It's more like finishing with both hands, you know, figuring out 
what to do on driving kicks to the rim, that kind of stuff. Like, they're more concerned with his interior work uh, rather than the three-point shot, which they assume will come later. So, on a scale of 1 to 10, how worried would you be if LeBron James comes to the Sixers that he's going to stunt Simmons' development? Well, that's a big word, though. I mean, I've never been on the boat that it would stunt it. I think it just would limit the potential. Mm. Okay. Of what you know, of what Ben can can squeeze out. So if you were asking me what what that would be, you know, on on a, on a stunting scale, that would be low, mm-hmm. like two, three, something like that. But in terms of not Ben, that is not reaching his full potential. Mm-hmm. I think that's a little bit higher, maybe five or six. Mm-hmm. And because LeBron, yeah, it, it's just because of the like LeBron's gonna have to have the ball in his hands, which reduces Ben's right. effectiveness. Well, yeah, because I do think Ben will develop in other areas, much like I mentioned with Lonzo. Mm-hmm. I think his basketball IQ is going to get up, and that will definitely take him far. Mm-hmm. But I do think Ben Ben seems to be the guy, type of guy who just learns by doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, you could see that all throughout last year. Yeah, I, I keep saying last year because I'm mentally ready for us to pass <laughs> July 1st. Right. This year, yeah. um, you, you just saw him, you, you know pound the ball on time at times really looking to get himself engaged and and he was throwing the ball away a lot and then he started figuring out oh okay i can't do it this way i can do it that way like he was thinking on the fly Mm -hmm. and i think that's how he learns Mm -hmm. so that to me is is kind of concerning if you bring a guy in like lebron who is going to be very ball dominant and you also you also need touches for Embiid. And you definitely need touches for Fulls to get his rhythm back mm-hmm. because otherwise you would be sacrificing Fulls as well. Mm-hmm. And I just question whether it's worth it. Mm. Because let's say if it's a two-year window, fine. I could live with that. But LeBron is, as we've seen, a robot. He might as well stick with the le- in the league for another five to seven years. Right. Now, and he's he might be the same LeBron we know now in three years or four years. At which point, you have to ask yourself, what could Ben Simmons have become in that time? Mm-hmm. But then you also have to gauge it, because if Philly wins rings in the meantime, are you then willing to sacrifice what Ben Simmons could become as a basketball player for team success? Right. Yeah, I mean, I in terms of stunting, I'm with you. I don't think there's much, if any, risk of that. Like, I think we focus right. too much on the, the negatives with the potential pairing of the two. And we don't pay, like, we don't give enough credit to the potential positives in that, like, that's fair. You know, they, the Sixers, young guys have said bringing in guys like JJ Reddick and Amir Johnson last year was just, was helpful just because, you know, the veteran leadership, having guys who have been through the playoffs before who can, like, teach them about diet and exercise and sleep, like, there Mm -hmm. is something to that. Now you bring Absolutely. in a LeBron who's been to eight straight finals, has won three rings. Like who better to learn from, especially if you're Ben Simmons, who has you know been compared to LeBron throughout most of his youth career is like probably the closest thing, not in terms of like caliber of player, but just like in terms of skill set, probably mm-hmm. the closest thing we've seen since LeBron came into the league. So, like, who better to learn from than the guy who you've emulated your game after? So, all right, you know. So you're thinking like a Jordan Pippen situation? I I guess so, yeah. Because that was how Scotty developed. Like, he came in and he started mimicking Mike and, 
you know, more or less became like a carbon copy of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I understand the fit issues, and I agree. Like, if I think the only way it works is if LeBron says, you know, there is a report, I think it was from Chris Broussard of FS1, who said, you know, he wants to play off ball more next season. So if he actually does, he's developed into a, oh that'd be fine yeah he's developed into an above average three point shooter like I'm I'm much yeah. more confident in his three point shot now than I was five years ago, so he's a good enough three point shooter to let Simmons run the offense most of the time and take over you know occasionally, um, mm-hmm. at which point as you mentioned much like with Lonzo like Ben can develop as an off ball cutter we saw a lot of that. In the Boston series, once uh, the Sixers put TJ McConnell into the starting lineup in games four and five, we saw Ben operate off the ball more, and it really unlocked some interesting possibilities for him that you didn't get to see much during the year uh, because he was just playing point guard the whole time. Now, you know, maybe you could do that with Markel Fultz too. Like if LeBron doesn't come, maybe Markel gets to run offense more and Ben can still operate off the ball. But I think, like, really for Ben to develop into a full-fledged like superstar basketball player he's gonna have to learn to play off the ball so i think again having a guy like lebron will help him in that regard like this Mm. i mean i could just be wearing like sixers colored rose glasses but you know i i think the benefits of the pairing would far outweigh the downsides at least on the court Mm -hmm. i think yeah i mean if he comes in and is ready to play more off the ball if he's also willing to play less minutes, because let's be honest, the the amount of minutes he's played in Cleveland over the past few years were about five too many per game. Right. Like he was, yeah, he was tremendously overused. Mm-hmm. So if he comes in and says, oh, I'm, I'm going to handle the ball less, I'm going to play fewer minutes, and I'm probably also going to sit out for, you know, eight to ten games a year. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's fine. And if he just comes in with the mentality of the regular season is for you young bucks, mm-hmm. then when the playoffs is around, that daddy takes over. <laughs> right. Like that's that's fine. That's fine. Then I can see this thing working out. What I am wondering, though, what, and I'm really wondering this about all Philly fans who are talking about LeBron. Why are you guys assuming that LeBron is not going to pull the same thing when he comes in? About like trying to trade all. Of hey, the that guys. Ben Simmons guy is uh, his high value. Mm-hmm. Let's see what we can get for him. Yeah, because I want to win now. Well, I mean that's long been my concern. More than the on-court mm-hmm. stuff is, especially now that they don't have a general manager. You know, there there's like always been the rumors that LeBron just runs whatever team he's on, and in Miami they, he got more pushback than he necessarily wanted, so he went back to Cleveland, and then Andrew Wiggins goodbye, Dion Waiters goodbye. So yeah, I, like right. that's that would a hundred percent be my big concern is whether he's like operating as shadow GM. That said, right now, the Sixers are in a really interesting place. And Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer had a piece that went up today, which is Tuesday, on how they could get both Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James. They would, it would take you know a lot to make it work. Um, basically, like right now, all they need to do to get LeBron is dump Jared Bayless's contract, and they have a bunch of assets mm-hmm. they can use to do that. You know, just a hundred future second round picks. They've got young guys like Cork Maz and TLC and Rashawn Holmes, who has a non guaranteed contract. Um, so they they can get off of that. You would assume pretty easily, and that yeah. gives them enough space to 
sign LeBron. The problem is they don't have many salaries. Like Embiid's mega contract kicks in uh, this summer. Outside of that, it's like Covington and then a bunch of guys on like two or three million dollar deals other than Markel Fultz. So if you're right. going down the, you know, the Sixers can get LeBron and Kawhi Leonard route, it all but certainly means Covington's gone, Fultz is gone. I would assume the Spurs would want Dario Saric just because he's the most Spursy player on the Sixers. So then mm-hmm. you're looking at, you know, you've got your absurd top four of Simmons, Embiid, LeBron, and Kawhi, which I would argue puts them right in that conversation with Boston and Golden State and Houston as like legitimate mm-hmm. championship contenders. But then yep. your depth is gone. Like you got Justin Anderson, hopefully you keep TJ McConnell, but outside of that, you have Zaire Smith, their their recent first round pick, you have Landry Shamet, who, you know, maybe they include one or both of those in the Kawhi trade as well. Um but like that that wipes out your depth entirely. So if you're the Sixers, is that worth it? I don't know. No. I mean, we saw how much depth could benefit the Sixers this year. Ursan, mm-hmm. um, Marco. But those guys, you know, those type of guys, they might be available once again, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, I would assume they, they would still have their room exception. I would assume if they get those four guys, J.J. Redick would be willing to re-sign on the room deal just because... His family. He got twenty three million. Yeah. So yeah. And his family's in Brooklyn. Like he said, he wants. Like he's happy in Brooklyn. The Nets and the Knicks are not equipped to. I mean, they they could probably the Nets, depending on what happens, might be able to pay him a little bit more. They'll at least have the non taxpayer mid level exception to offer. Um, mm. The Knicks, depending on what Ennis Cantor does, could also offer him more. But like neither of those teams are going to be competing for a championship next year. Whereas. You know, and and Embiid, LeBron, Simmons, Kawhi. You got throw JJ Redick in that starting lineup. It's pretty effing good. I know you know Boston and Golden State would target him relentlessly on defense, as as Boston did this year in the playoffs. But like that that starting five is championship caliber. So I would assume he would be back. And mm-hmm. then you're right. It's like it'd be exactly what you're hoping with a Lakers LeBron super team. You would have to just rely on ring chasers taking minimum deals because that's all the Sixers would have yeah. left at that point. So, yeah, maybe Ursan and Marco come back. Maybe a Wayne Ellington leaves Miami. But, like, you're just relying on guys to sacrifice a lot of money to chase a championship. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, look, that's the one form- formula we all know works. Yeah. I mean, th- look, this is funny to me because we all hear there is no set formula in how to win in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. Max contract players. Yeah. Well... As many as you can get. Good, like, guys who deserve max contracts. Right, right, obviously. Yeah. Like, you know, superstars who are worth their salt. Right. You know? Right. As as many of them as possible, you're going to win. Yeah. That's that's the strategy. That's the that's the format that's going to win. So, and and right here, I mean, God, like, can you just imagine Philly in, in like going through the, the playoffs? So if you're up against a team who's pretty weak in the post, you know you just dump it into Joel Embiid for like a full series yep. with everyone else kind of chilling. <laughs> and then if you have a heavy front line in the in the series up, you know up next, you just do the reverse thing. I mean, you have so many different ways that you can facilitate a win. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. 
Because the more you can save guys, especially in the playoffs, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I would love that. Yeah. So, like, my whole thing is, and again, I don't know if this is just me being a Philly homer or not, but, like, (laughs) basketball-wise, regardless of whether the, the Sixers do end up acquiring Kawhi Leonard, even if they don't, it still feels like this is the best marriage of, like, a realistic landing spot. We'll get to Houston in a second. Because, like, if if Houston right. can get LeBron, you know, pairing him with Chris Paul and James Harden, putting him on a 65-win team, like, in theory, that gives you the best shot at a championship. But what Houston, the hoops Houston has to jump through to get him is far more difficult than the Sixers, who, again, it's just, like, dump Jared Bayless with whatever. Like, whatever it takes, frankly, if LeBron James is going to be on the other side of that. And then you can... Add, you know, they don't have to do anything else. You can have LeBron, Simmons, Embiid, Fultz, Sarge, Covington, uh, McConnell, mm. Rashawn Holmes, Ayer Smith. Yeah. At that point, you're still probably getting the ring chasers. Maybe Reddick still takes the eight-room MLE. Maybe Bellinelli and Ursan and whoever else still come on these minimum deals. Like, it feels like that's a 60-win team as long as everyone stays healthy, and they don't have to go through all that much to get there i guess the question is whether lebron's family is willing to move to philly yeah and that's the thing right because if he's going for i've got to make my family happy Mm -hmm. that's a that's a key question coming in yeah yeah it's but i mean it's interesting because you know you just mentioned a lineup without Kawhi there but with the added depth Mm -hmm. (sighs) mm-hmm You know, I get it. I like the depth, too. I think benches are essential. Mm-hmm. But we just saw Golden State run through, you know, okay, Cleveland. But we just saw them win, again, with a severe lack of depth. Mm-hmm. I keep looking at that, and I just go, you know what? Maybe it's overrated in, in this context. We saw the rap. We hyped up the Raptors all year long, yeah. and they got, like, 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 Dude, I'm still sad for him. <laughs> Me too. Like, Me too. They're still crying, probably. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe at this point you just you swing, yeah, and you go all in, and then you just go, you know what? Maybe we will only be seven deep, right? But that's seven. God damn, that seven. I mean, and you go from there. I wouldn't even blame them. Like, I love Covington, but obviously, if you're getting Kawhi Leonard, you move right oh, yeah, coming yeah. to you have to for salary matching purposes but like Kawhi Leonard is just an, a significant upgrade on what you're hoping to get out of Covington he right he is what Covington is trying to mimic right and then Sarich <laughs> like again love him to death hope he's a sixer forever but there's going to be a there's going to come a time when Embiid's on a second deal Simmons and Sarich are both going to be eligible for extensions Fultz will be mm-hmm. eligible for an extension a year later like it feels like Sarich is just due unless he's willing to take a massive discount. Right. Like, he's going to get man. priced out at, at some point. So, yep. you know, again, I I understand the rationale of moving him. And then even Fultz. Like, I, I still am on Fultz Island. But, you know, if, if it's the difference between a Kawhi Leonard versus a guy who, like, literally forgot how to shoot last year, mm. it's a fair question. I mean, it's like, and if that's... If you go into your pitch meeting with LeBron, or apparently he's not going to take like long, <laughs> elaborate right. pitch meetings, but if you go talk to Rich Paul and his agents 
and you say, look, if he comes here, we have a deal for Kawhi Leonard lined up. Give us like give us the green light, and we'll do it. It's, I mean, it, it's going to be yeah. really hard to say no. And here's the thing: the the process all you know boiled down to this. It wasn't just about gathering young players. It was about getting flexibility. It was about to get trade assets. Look, Sam Hinkie acquired so many draft picks that that you know more than could fill out a roster. Right. Like you know, it, it was. How many? I, I don't even have the count, but <laughs> too many. Like, just too many. Yeah. So, obviously, you know, consolidation trades mm-hmm. were in play. Mm-hmm. And he also understood, I think, down the line, that he would have to move several assets for one asset. Yeah. That is just significantly better. Yep. Because instead of having two guys earning just below the max, why not just have one guy earning the max who is, like, you know, twice the talent right. of both those guys? Right. Like I get it. It's it's just smart. So I think I definitely think Philly were all in on the two thousand seven Boston Celtics uh cash in mm-hmm. where every young ass asset were just out the door for like major, major players. Right. Yeah. So why not? Like if it's there, go for Kawhi and LeBron and then don't look back and then the hell with sorry, but the hell with Ben Simmons development if it's not working. <laughs> right. Like just go for it. Yeah. I mean doesn't matter yeah no i I agree i agree uh let's flip now to the rockets more we're gonna find out basically the rockets are either gonna be in this race or out of this race by friday which is lebron's Mm. deadline to pick up his player option for 20 uh 2018-19 if he does not it eliminates an opt-in and trade which is the most realistic route for the rockets to get him they could still sign and trade for him but if you do that, you're not allowed to exceed the apron, which is yep. give or take six million above the luxury tax line. That'll be about 129 million. It's just it's not realistic for them to sign and trade for him and also keep Chris Paul and Clint Capella. So the opt-in and trade, much like they did with Chris Paul last year, the opt-in and trade is the most feasible way to get LeBron James in a Rockets uniform. We'll find out by Friday whether it's even possible. That said, Mort, and James Harden said this after he won MVP last night, you know, they were one half away from the finals, twice. Like, mm-hmm. they had halftime leads in game six and seven against the Warriors in the Western Conference finals, despite being without Chris Paul in either game. If you're the Rockets, is it worth it to detonate the, the core of a 65-win team? You know, you, you're almost certainly going to have to give up Eric Gordon, most likely P.J. Tucker, Ryan Anderson, it doesn't matter because he didn't play all that much in that Warriors series, but you, you just have to ditch him to make the salaries right. work. But you're going to lose a lot of the, your core depth guys. You also have Chris Paul, Capella, Trevor Reza, all free agents. It, you know, Is it worth consolidating this core, much like we just talked about with the Sixers, to get a big four of Capella, Harden, LeBron, and... Uh, Chris Paul, and then just fill out the rest. You know, pray Ariza takes uh, the mid-level exception, and pray Luke Mbamute takes the minimum again. Pray Joe Johnson takes the minimum. Like, you know, find your ring chasers and pick whoever you want. I'd be pretty uh, hypocritical if I said, no, it wouldn't be worth it, when I just said it'd be worth it for the Sixers, who have, like, 
from a from a long term perspective a much better baseline than Houston does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's worth it. It's LeBron. I'm more torn. I like I get mm-hmm. it. Don't look. Here's the thing. I, I'm I'm at fault for this too. Mm-hmm. It's LeBron James. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Like we we overthink it. It's LeBron. I mean, and and LeBron with Harden. Right. LeBron with Chris Paul. LeBron with Clint Capella. Come on, that that foursome is terrifying. Yeah, it is. I mean, I guess it would really come down to what the price is. Because to get off of Anderson's contract, you're most oh, likely... Oh, multiple firsts. Yeah, so how many firsts? Are they unprotected? Presumably, yes. yes. So, like, you know, I, I get it from Houston's perspective of why they would do it. But, goddamn, that is a big gamble. Because at, at a certain point... Like when LeBron leaves, when Chris Paul ages out, when Harden's past his, you know, mm-hmm. past thirty, you know, we that could be. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be like the Brooklyn Nets trade because they, when they traded for right. KG and Pierce, they were already washed up. LeBron's still, you know, the best player in the league right now, but it could have similarly calamitous effects on the Rockets' long term future. So it basically, if you don't win a ring in the next year or two with that group. Like, you could grow to regret that trade down the line. So, how far in advance are teams allowed to trade a draft pick? I believe 20... Is it five years? No, I think you can go seven. So, I think... I know 2024 is eligible. I think 2025 is now eligible as well. All right. That's... A first rounder from that, like 2025. Was it 2025? Yeah, I think so. I know at least right. 2024 is a lot now, but I believe... T- All right, I think, so yeah, 20, let's... 2025 should be now that we're past the 2018 draft. Okay, perfect. So then let's just go out and say it's 2025. That's what it's going to take to get Ryan... Or, or you know, <laughs> right. move Ryan Anderson. Right. Because teams will know, yeah, next, next year's pick? Fuck you, that's not going to be worth right. anything. Right, right. So let's say... Okay, look... Uh, the Bulls and the Ma- no, the Mavericks are going to play the free agency game. Mm-hmm. Who's who outside of the Bulls? Who are not you know Atlanta. expected to be big? Atlanta. Atlanta. Okay, so Atlanta will you know contact Houston? Go. We know what's up. <laughs> we'll take him. Right. We'll take him. They don't even have to mention his name. They'll know. Yeah. And it's going to cost you an unprotected twenty twenty five first rounder, and it's also going to cost you. And I believe you can trade. Picks back to back if one of them protected, right? Um, I don't is that... think so. I think it would still need to be. I think oh, they... because you have, yeah, because you still have to have a pick, right? Okay, right. So I think they could say like Atlanta could say swap option we'll, in twenty twenty. We'll take Andrew. Yeah, you can do a swap option, or you can just say right. we'll we'll take him if you give us twenty twenty one, twenty twenty three, and twenty twenty five all unprotected. Right. Now I'll I'll probably settle for a swap in twenty yeah then I'll yeah I'll, a swap in twenty twenty four and the full first unprotected in twenty twenty five. Oh, I think it's gonna take that's more what than it's, that. You think so? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, I would take it because it's Ryan Anderson. You're not going anywhere if you take him on. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It's it's free. It's free pitch. Sure. And you don't care what LeBron does in Houston because you're not in that in that. You're not playing that game. Right. But you know, like, the leverage of teams with cap space this summer, especially if Houston is calling you up and saying we need to dump Ryan Anderson's contract, as you said, you know what's up. 
but there are mm-hmm. so few teams that could take that deal and without sending salary back that you can just extort the shit out of them. So I th- yeah, but you can also get into a, a, a negotiation fight because then you have, like, let's say you have Atlanta and Chicago mm-hmm. who both want those late picks yeah. in 2025. Then one team might say, oh, oh, the Bulls are asking, you know, the Hawks might say the Bulls are asking for three. Well, we'll take two. Yeah. No, I, I think, I, I just don't think there are enough teams out there. Like, the Bulls are going to be occupied with Zach Levine unless this report that they're not, you know, Nick Friedel reported that they may not match or right. whatever. But, like, that's going to keep them occupied for the first week or so. LeBron's decision is presumably going to come before that. So, like, it, it feels like Atlanta is probably the only realistic destination for Ryan Anderson without, mm. you know, I'm just, um, I, I can't think of any others off of the top of my head. So, it, like, even if you do, you're right. I mean, the, you could still get into that fight. Maybe Atlanta loses out. Maybe Chicago wins. But I think Chicago still says give us two unprotected plus a pick swap. Okay. I mean, look, I, if if a team walks away with that, that's awesome for them. Yeah, I, I I'll salute them. Yeah, I definitely will. But yeah, I mean, I I would be good with two. But if I get three as that team taking on Rhino, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But my point is, you're not gonna be sold off with like a 2019. Oh no, hell no. Or a 2021st round. Yeah, because that pick doesn't matter. Right. Like go. As high as you can, maybe even like maybe you actually take. You know what? I'm I'm going to, I'm actually going to change my stance a little bit because one thing I do want is that 2021 first round, yeah, unprotected. Yeah. I don't care if that's 30th mm-hmm. because that draft is going to be insanely deep. Well, we don't know yet that they're going well, to remove the one and done, but like, yeah, I agree. You want to buy I mean, into if, that round or that, right. that year, if, just assuming, case. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm taking that, and then I'm taking like the swap in 2024 and the unprotected in 2025, mm-hmm. and then I load up for the future because it's not necessarily the players that I will be able to draft that year. It's having those picks right. because those are tradable, those are movable. So if you're a young team and you realize, oh, one of my guys who I have around a rookie deal is suddenly in the MVP race, mm-hmm. we can actually do some damage, then. Boom! All you you got you got an asset there, lying there from Houston, that you can trade later on. Right. It's I would want that flexibility, and yes, that's definitely what it's going to take to move Ryan Anderson, and that's tough on Houston. But if hey, if they win a ring or two rings, like that's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, on court wise, you know we. <laughs> There were concerns last year going into the season about, like, the too many ball handlers, only one ball with Chris Paul and James Harden. Both of those guys within the first couple games, you know, eliminated all that doubt. They fared very well together. Now you add LeBron James to that mix, who's also ball dominant. Are you now in the place where it's three ball handlers, one ball? Is that finally maybe too many, or do you still think those guys would figure it out? Those guys will figure it out. Unlike Ben Simmons, who's young and still learning his way, mm-hmm. these guys are veterans, MVPs, mm-hmm. or at least one MVP. And it seems Chris Paul is way more willing to give up the ball this year. Yeah. And I think that's going to continue. Like, it's half of Team Banana Boat. Right. So there's also going to be, you know, this idea that, you know, we're butts. I, I have no problem giving up the ball to you. Mm-hmm. And James, uh, you know, James Harden, 
I, I think he's such an unselfish player. I, I realize that's funny coming, you know, looking at his stat line and seeing him averaging 30. Mm-hmm. But he's not like a selfish player. I think he's so unselfish. He's willing to pass. He's willing to to sacrifice own shot. He's he's a winner. Yeah. Like we we we've seen people lash out on James too much for his high numbers and and not winning a ring or whatever. Doesn't that's BS mm-hmm. to me. I think he will gladly integrate himself within those two guys, and he'll still get buckets. I mean, he'll take over possessions. He'll spot up. He'll get to the line. LeBron might average 18 points, but it won't matter. Yeah, It won't matter. The regular season right now, as far as I'm concerned with LeBron, I think he's done with it. I, <laughs> I think he doesn't care. Right. Yeah, I, Not anymore. Yeah, as you said, they're both good enough shooters that it's much less of a concern, I would think. You can stagger yeah. the minutes just like they, the Rockets did this year with CP3 and Harden. You can make sure you have... I mean, you could basically make sure you have two of those guys on the court at all time, but you would probably limit mm-hmm. the minutes where all three of them were on outside of the final few minutes and the you know the start of the first and the third quarters um yeah i have no concerns at all in terms of the on and chris game. could play 28 minutes a game yeah yeah it would be seriously yeah i mean it, it's just the on-court stuff doesn't worry me at all it's just like literally what is the price it would take to get it to happen yeah and that is just i don't know but it feels like it's going to be a lot. And again, we'll find out by Friday. Mm-hmm. So if he does not, or if, yeah, if he declines that player option and becomes a free agent, the only three realistic options are the Lakers because they have a cap space, the Sixers because they can make the cap space, and then staying in Cleveland. And ESPN's David McManaman laid out a somewhat convincing case for LeBron to stay today. Basically, he could just do another one-plus-one deal, which would align with his oldest son entering high school. So if that's factoring into the decision at all, he can you know, turn his attention. He can just run it back with the Cavs one more year, see where his son wants to go to high school, do this whole <laughs> song and dance next year, and maybe there's going to be Ugh. more... You know, more enticing situations next year when some of these 2016 contracts start coming off the books. Um as you mentioned before, uh, there is Ken Berger, a Bleacher Report, had a, an article after the draft about uh, the Cavs' decision to draft Colin Sexton. He talked to a bunch of NBA mm-hmm. people and was like, is this going to affect LeBron at all? Because LeBron apparently is a big fan of Colin Sexton. All of them said no, no difference at all. <laughs> uh, the one thing that might move the needle, as you mentioned before, is trading for Kemba Walker, which... From Charlotte's perspective, you know, Mitch Kupchak gave a press conference after the draft and said, we hope Kemba's here for the rest of his career, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Charlotte needs to be realistic at some point, and Kemba's on the final year of his deal. That team is capped out to all hell the next two years. He really doesn't have much incentive to re-sign there. So, you know, one would assume that was just posturing publicly, and he is probably available uh, for the right trade. So what what would be... Like, what do the Cavs have to offer the Hornets for a Kemba Walker? You mean outside of Sexton? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. The only <laughs> thing I could think of is, like, Sexton and Kevin Love for Kemba and Marvin uh, Williams. Nah. I can't... Why, why would... 
why would they take on that deal of Kevin Love? They're going nowhere. By trading Kemba, you're effectively effectively rebuilding. Love will just waste years in in Charlotte, and they you know, they'll waste his time. He'll waste theirs. Like he'll make them marginally better to the point where they won't get as high a draft pick as they want. Mm-hmm. This is difficult. I mean, no, it's it's got to be draft picks and Sexton and some kind of maybe J.R. Smith because he's what he's an expiring right. I believe he is. Uh, he looks like he has after after, after next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think he's got one year left. He has three point eight seven million guaranteed on his twenty nineteen twenty salary, but otherwise, all right. Yeah. So yeah, final year. Otherwise, yeah. Okay. But something to that extent, you're not going to take Kevin Love. You're not going to take you know some of those deals, and and like we've talked about before, the last thing Charlotte should be doing is trying to attach a big deal to Kemba, right? Because that's going to diminish his his the return that they can get for him. Mm-hmm. So it should be a deal that is pretty small in you know because it's an outgoing twelve million for Charlotte, right? You shouldn't attach anything, and you should just look at... You can get Sexton and J.R. Smith and the first-rounder. Like, something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, it, it's this is like the opposite of Philly, where, like, Philly just didn't have enough big salaries to make a Kawhi Leonard right. trade work. Cleveland has too many big salaries, so it's hard to uh-huh. just do Sexton plus... It would be like... I think it's really like Sexton plus Kyle Korver is the only option. Oh, I can get behind that. Actually, yeah, because he's got he's also partially guaranteed um, in 2019-20. He's got 3.4 million guaranteed, but and he's not Gr Smith, so. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, I mean, my thinking with Sexton and Love for um, for Marvin and Kemba is at least you get off of Marvin Williams' deal as well. But you know, he's got a 14 million this year, then a 15 million player option next year, which one can only assume he's going to opt into because I can't imagine him getting $15 million in the open market at this point. That said, right. Kevin Love has a $25.6 million player option next year, which, again, he is also likely to opt into, I would assume, mm-hmm. unless, he yeah, just, I think so unless he just really hates it in Charlotte. Um, that said, like Charlotte's, they, they should be at least comfortably under the tax threshold next year, so that wouldn't matter as much. Uh, taking on Love's deal and like you still you know maybe we see the resurgence of old school Minnesota Kevin Love I, I like this this Charlotte team is just so I don't know what they do to get off of some of these contracts aside from wait them out but yeah that's what you do yeah I mean that's that's and also that's why you don't take on a Kevin Love because he will make you better yeah I don't want to see a Minnesota Kevin Love on the on the Charlotte Hornets, if I'm the Charlotte Hornets, right. But MJ doesn't strike me as the type who is. Oh no no yeah that, no right I mean when we're talking about you know what MJ wants, that's one thing right like he'll probably love that yeah, <laughs> no pun intended, but <laughs> I mean realistically like intelligently yeah no you wouldn't want that you shouldn't want that yeah um so. You know, the, it, is that is that thunder I hear in the background? Sure is. Nice. Not, not excited for nice. that. Um, 
it is so warm over here. I'm I'm looking forward to some some thunder and lightning and some rain. So I, I wish I could trade places with you. <laughs> well, let's say LeBron does come back to Cleveland. They add Sexton. Oh. They add yeah. whoever with the mid level exception. It'd be a taxpayer's mid level exception. So about five million. Who knows what they do with Rodney Hood? Let's say they re-sign Rodney Hood for argument's sake. <laughs> Does this team have any chance against the Warriors next year? Brian, what do you think? I mean, they the optimist perspective is they realistically could have and should have stolen Game 1 on the road, if not for J.R. Smith. They were right in it in Game 3 as well until Kevin Durant did the same thing he did to them last year. So Could have, would have, should have, yeah, the, like, whatever. The glass half-full version is they, you know, they weren't that many plays away from being tied 2-2 going back to Golden State in Game 5. Are they better than Boston right now? No. With LeBron? Nope. 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 <laughs> I was throwing it out there, but I'm with you. I think, again, it's this. if he stays in Cleveland, it, it probably comes down to his family. It's the same thing with yeah, the no, Lakers. I, and if he, if he does, I think that's pretty telling. Like, obviously, he wanted it out there that his family takes priority yeah so i think him returning to cleveland like a lot of Cavs fans would be like oh he wanted to come home no no that might not be it like it might be for his family's sake and then he's out the door next year i will say this i will hate that option more than anyone because i am so over this lebron free agency circus from year to year Mm. like stop just stop four years it's so annoying no it's fun no, it's not. It's really not. It's extremely frustrating every time to just wait for him before every other domino falls. Yeah. It's it's annoying. Just sign a damn four year contract. Uh, I don't. And just I don't be blame him it. for doing these shorter deals. And I I forget who won. I think it was Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer had an article recently about like whether this this is going to be like the mercenary LeBron era where he just like always signs one plus one deals from here on out so like his new team is always on its toes i don't necessarily think that's gonna happen again because of his family i just don't think he wants to uproot them as much as that would probably entail but no i i would hate that so much not not, i mean lebron's within his rights he'll get more money that's fine it's the media Mm. like he could do that and everyone would still be oh where's lebron going here's a slideshow of 29 different teams (laughs) right like no don't yeah that's true uh, all right, Mort, let's zoom through a couple wild card long shot options. Let's start with San Antonio just because... My second favorite. Yeah, just because, you know, yeah. he has long expressed admiration for Popovich. Uh, this, this scenario assumes they smooth out their differences with Kawhi Leonard. I just don't know how San Antonio makes it work salary-wise. Do you have any ideas? Well, Danny Green just opted in. Right. So that's definitely not helping the issue any. Right. Patty Mills will need to get moved. Mm-hmm. Pau Gasol's salary is really clocking everything up. Mm-hmm. Rudy Gay opted out, which is probably good for, for, for that. But, yeah. No, it's it's going to be difficult. It would have to be some kind of sign-and-trade. Yeah. And I, or opt-in-and-trade. Right. Yeah. And I just don't know what the Spurs have. Like, I guess you can offer Lonnie Walker... You can offer DeJunte Murray, Danny Green. Like, I don't think the Cavs would at all want right. Pau Gasol. 
or no. Patty Mills. You're like looking at three team trades at that point. I, mm-hmm. I love the idea. It's a really fun idea, but I just don't see any way unless you make it a three teamer trade Lamarcus Aldridge back to the Cavs. But I don't know why they would want that again. Like no, they wouldn't. Yeah, you just don't want that giant salary on your books. I like. I love the idea. If it happens, I'll be all for it. But I just don't see it happening. Um, this is this is why the Spurs should not have gone with Derek White last year, who was an older guy. Like they should yeah. have swung for someone who's extremely athletic and very very young, mm-hmm. because those guys they seem to just carry a lot of trade value, in and you know in a two to three year period until they become like fully fledged known commodities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's also why that Pau Gasol contract was a very bad idea as. Yeah. Many people suggested yeah. last year. Um, Pouring out a 40 for Sarah. <laughs> Boston's the other real wild card on the table, I think. They, I mean, all it takes is you can flip Gordon Hayward for LeBron straight up if he does the uh, opt-in and trade. So, you know, you would have to, if you're Cleveland, you're probably asking for more than that, whether it's Terry Roger, whether it's mm-hmm. one of the million picks that Boston has coming you know, possibly the Sacramento pick even. If you're Boston, right. are you how like how seriously are you considering this if you're Boston? Or are you just like content with what you've got? I mean, I'm content with what I'm with with what I've got if I'm not discussing LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. Look, if if I can trade Gordon Hayward, who's coming off this horrific injury, mm-hmm. who's to some extent still a slight unknown. Mm-hmm. And Terry Rozier and a, and a few picks for LeBron James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm probably gonna make that deal, Brian. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna win the the ring pretty comfortably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it would just be like for hilarity's sake, Boston trading for LeBron, not sending Kyrie Irving back, and then Kyrie Irving having <sighs> to play with LeBron, even though he left Cleveland because he was sick of playing with LeBron. Like I think that's good penance for all this flat Earth stuff he's been spouting as. Oh way. yeah, like it's good oh, payback. Yeah. So I don't think it's a realistic option. I mean, LeBron. It's not. LeBron's given no indication that he's considering Boston, and there have been no reports that he's considering Boston. But it's a fun thought experiment. The only other one, you know, if he's really set on going to the Clippers or the to L.A., I guess the Clippers are the Clippers. Yeah. You know, in the conversation somehow. We have yet to see what DeAndre Jordan's going to do with his player option, $24.1 million. There are reports today from Mark Stein of the New York Times that he's considering opting in to force a trade to the Mavericks. So, TBD there. Um, he probably should because he's not getting that money again in the open market. No, 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 no. And also, I'm so sad to hear Ennis Cantor opted out. He's getting really bad advice. That hasn't. That's not official yet. There is like one oh, report. It, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. So it's being it's being refuted. Yeah, well, he yeah he like spoke to a reporter and is like I haven't made any decision yet. I'm not going to until. Oh, thank God yeah. because that one to me was puzzling. Yeah, that's a good reminder yeah. to everyone like this week in general, and then like once we get into free agency, unless it's coming oh, yeah. from Woj, Shams, or Mark Stein, just view it with some doubt. Like I'm not saying no one yeah. else. Gets this or Ramona Shelburne, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a a well known, reputable reporter. 
Like, again, not saying that no one else gets this stuff right from time to time, but, like, those people are the ones we should really be putting stock into with their reports. Everyone else it's like, um, yeah, okay, sure, I'll believe it. But the, when... but the canner... The Kenner stuff came from a reliable source initially, didn't it? I think it was from, like, some MSG Networks, which was, I don't remember who associated with that. I think because that's affiliated with the Knicks, people just took it for granted. Yeah, they own the Knicks. Right. Yeah, I, okay. I, like, no, I don't think, like, Ian Begley of ESPN or, like, no one, no one on the Knicks beat has confirmed that he's opting out yet, so. That's interesting. Okay, because... Yeah, yeah were, I, I just remember seeing yeah. it, and it seemed like, oh, that's a a pretty decent source. Right. I just don't remember what. There were a lot like, of <laughs> stories, and then, like, aggregators picked up on it immediately, and it, it, it became a thing. But, like, I was looking online last night about it, and people, a lot of those aggregators have since taken down their stories because it's not official yet. Oh, nice. Yeah. Good on you, Ennis. Yeah. Don't effing opt out. Right. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the Clippers, like... I, I again I just don't see how they make it work unless I mean if DeAndre opts out they would have they would close to enough cap space to just sign LeBron they could waive Patrick Beverly who has got a five million dollar non-guaranteed salary they could let uh, Montrez Harrell uh, mm-hmm. let him go uh Teo Dosich only has, I think, $2.1 million of his six point three guaranteed for next year. So Austin Rivers, I believe, has opted in, which is going to put them at about $76 million. So they'd still need to dump about $10 million or so to get to LeBron. But, you know, Lou Williams is there. They're going to have their two draft picks, too. Like, Yeah, but why would he, though? Why would LeBron go to the Clippers? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, there you go. Maybe like again. Maybe if it's like he wants to go to L.A., but he also wants to contend more immediately, and he thinks the Clippers are better right. suited to do that than the Lakers. But yeah, I mean, I, I would assume Chris Paul has shared some horror stories from the Clippers, and uh, I, I would not consider this a realistic option either. So I just want to wrap this whole LeBron thing up by saying one thing. Okay. For, for LeBron, I see some fault as well. Because mm-hmm. if he's coming into an organization, and, and to be fair to LeBron, we don't know whether that's going to be the case. We only know it was the case in Cleveland. If he's coming into an organization going, well, you need to trade your young guys so you can get players who are in my age group, mm-hmm. who are veterans, mm-hmm. I, I think he is screwing himself. Yeah. Because let's look at a team like Boston that we talked about just before. Mm-hmm. Assuming he, he decides, oh, I want to go to Boston. Mm-hmm. If he comes in going, hey, you need to trade Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Yeah. That's that's a really ridiculous take. Yep. Because you also need youth. You need explosivity. You need someone who is going to improve significantly without having a substantial amount of the salary cap occupied. Mm-hmm. Like, those are essential roster construction tools and for LeBron who wants to be a GM so bad I I remain surprised at who he consistently asked for yeah like it seems to me that his like I don't question his basketball IQ right. but I do question his talent evaluation yeah. I, I think that's fair and you're right like this what happened in Cleveland is somewhat of a self-made situation it seems like we've seen this now in Cleveland and Miami 
you have a four-year window with LeBron James if he's staying with your team for four years. And then by that, yeah. by the end of it, you are capped out. You are starting to age out. You don't have many draft picks. It it starts to become a little bit dire. So It does. Yeah. yeah. It's. I mean, that said... Shane Battier. Yeah. That said, I mean, like, if he goes to a Boston or he goes to a Philly, those two teams in particular have more in terms of good young players and assets than mm-hmm. what the Cavs did in 2014 or what the Heat did in 2010. So it would be interesting to see how he navigates that. But you're right. Like, this is part of his windows or his short windows are a self-made problem. Um Right. And yeah, I mean, it's it's just going to be, like, we just talked for more than an hour about this. Like, it, it is a fascinating decision, no matter what happens, it's going to shape a lot of the narrative of this 2018-19 season. So, you know, we'll be, we're going to be around uh, once July 1st hits. We will obviously be doing a an emergency podcast whenever LeBron decides. It looks like he's going to make his decision on Uninterrupted, the social platform he has started, so... You might want to set your your Twitter alerts to uninterrupted once July first hits, because <laughs> uh, it seems like that's going to be the way we're going to find out this time. No, no, Lee Jenkins letter, no Jim Gray interview, just straight from the horse's mouth himself on a cell phone camera. So, oh, so he's copying KD now. <laughs> No, okay. Oh, you know that so someone's going to say that. Yeah. Someone on Twitter is going to say that. It's going to get two thousand retweets, and it's going to be a thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Well, in the meantime, we will be back with an episode later this week on some of the other big name free agents that you should keep an eye out. Until then, follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio as well, so give us a follow too. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're now being hosted on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at Almighty Casts. Until next time, I'm Brian Tapork, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I am so looking forward to free agency. This is my favorite time of the year. Draft and free agency beats the season every time. (laughs) Me too. Catch you in a couple days, man. Later.